once again, it's time to go inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Sabalero. I'm actually the co-host of the Inside EMS podcast, the internationally recognized Inside EMS podcast. And with me to the chair to my right, always in the chair to my right, is my good friend, Kelly Grayson. KG, what's going on this week? Oh, not much, man. Just just teaching a, an EMR class and molding young minds is the main thing we've been doing this week. Uh, we've got a high school EMR class, and and uh, we're uh, we're actually kind of loving loving teaching these kids. It's, it's a new experience for me, uh, far cry from from previous high school classes that I've taught. So let me ask you this question. I mean, are you back face to face? Yeah. Yeah, we're back face to face. Um, the mask orders have, have been lifted. Uh, the first part of the class started. Uh, first part of the class started with um, uh, people who had been vaccinated uh, uh, did not have to wear a mask as long as they remained socially distanced, and and uh, the kids still had to wear a mask. And uh, a week into the class, uh, with CDC updates and whatnot, um, and the kids all being vaccinated they dropped the mask mandate for them. So yeah, we're back face to face. Uh, we, um, we're, we're putting hands on each other and, and doing one-on-one instruction and the whole nine yards. Did you have to come up with special precautions for the class? I mean, I know that the CDC said, Hey, vaccinated, no mask outside, no mask. But for the classroom, did you have to, uh, develop some type of, um, uh, you know, safety practice for that? No, the, the, uh, the, the school system really went above and beyond what, uh, what school systems typically do in, in these classes and, uh, gave us all the support we needed. And they had, they had, um, uh, precautions already in place, uh, based on the CDC guidelines and our state's, uh, our state's laws on the matter. Um, so the students all, uh, they got us a special room where every student is seated six feet apart and they wear masks. Uh, the last class, they, they wore masks the entire class. And, uh, we, we still wore masks while we were practicing on each other. Uh, but the only time they, they took their masks off was when they were outside and socially distanced. Uh, so, uh, no, no special precautions. Uh, the precautions that the, the school board had in place were already sufficient and, and met the, uh, the recommendations for, uh, for COVID-19 precautions. So we were, uh, we were doing that. Interesting. So are you doing any other classes now, EMT paramedic? No, no. I'm going to start, hopefully start an EMT class in another month or so. Uh, we're, we're in negotiations on where to, uh, where to host it uh, because we draw our, our student base from all across the state and uh, trying to find a central location that that's uh, feasible for everyone. And it'll be a hybrid class. It'll be uh, probably three quarters online and the rest of it's uh, uh, monthly or, or maybe even weekly uh, skill sessions, psychomotor skill sessions, but still working on that. We're right now, we're just, uh, I, I'm playing second fiddle in this one. Nancy's having, Nancy's teaching this class and I'm just being her resource person. And we're, uh, we're, we're rocking along with that. We're, these kids are, are starting to, uh, to, we've gotten through all the boring parts of, uh, the EMR class. And now these kids are, are, uh, are starting to pick up and, and, uh, get enthusiastic about what we're doing. They're, they're all pumped about our pluck lab this morning. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about that. So this is for emergency medical responder, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these are, these are high school kids still, right? Yep. 
and sophomores, juniors, and seniors. But you're giving them hands on, you know, when you think of, you know, Mm -hmm. one of the things that's really interesting is that when we're, uh, you know, certainly developing class, we've got to think about all the types of learners, auditory Mm -hmm. learners, uh, visual learners, and of course, tactile learners or kinesthetic learners, right? So you're giving them, um, you know, this lab today. First off, I think it's very unique. I don't know that a lot of EMS instructors are doing this, but just talk a little bit about the plug lab. Well, you know, the the first thing is, you know, uh, for many EMT and EMR classes, and heck, even advanced EMT classes, I do it. uh, The... um, Anatomy and physiology is is a bit of a slog, especially with the depth that I teach it at. I'm I am one of those people that's not satisfied with just learning the names of a bunch of organs and being able to diagram them. Uh, <clears throat> I think that's that's monkey memory. But to understand what we're trying to do as EMTs, you have to understand how those organs function. So so it's really heavy on the physiology, and and. The, the depth at which I teach it can be a little little troublesome for EMT and, and even my EMR students because I'm, uh, I don't, of course, teach it to the depth that I teach the EMT students, but it's still above and beyond the EMR curriculum. And there's a lot lost in just looking at a chart or a diagram or an illustration and, and not seeing and touching these organs and understanding what they're like. I, I hear it all the time that, that uh, people... Uh, our, my students were just dumbfounded at, at the heart being as muscular as it is. I thought it was just a bag of blood and the same thing with, with the lungs, you know, they didn't realize that they, what they envisioned from, from descriptions and from the, the illustrations in the textbook is, is uh, a bag of air and they don't realize that these are tissues. So we talk about, we, we get, get them to put their hands on things and, and uh, we use swine organs for it. And the toughest thing in the in during the COVID nineteen pandemic has been obtaining swine organs. It's a pain in the butt. Uh, we have we had a local uh, uh, meat processing plant that does a great deal of of uh, meat processing for uh, the the South Louisiana area, but most of the restaurants that serve pork uh, were uh, most of their clientele was from New Orleans, and they're still hit hard. Uh, and and haven't recovered from the COVID nineteen pandemic, so they're not they're not uh, slaughtering pigs uh, in any any significant numbers. So I'm having to to scratch to find uh, smaller butcher shops and and slaughterhouses that that have what I need. Are they pretty cool when you when you go and ask them to help? Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're super cool. The the um, you know this is Cajun country, so some of the organs that I want that everyone else throws. Away way Cajun cooks will cook and eat. <laughs> so, um, th- they have to, uh, and many of these are private slaughterhouses. So people will bring their own animals up there to be slaughtered and, and processed. Uh, and they want to keep things like the kidneys and the heart and that sort of thing, or, or the tongue and, and this sort of thing. So, uh, the owners of the animals have to, uh, agree that, uh, or have to not want the, the organs in the first place. And I have to sign an FDA waiver and there's a, there's this, or it's not an FDA waiver. It's a, a Louisiana department of agriculture, uh, uh, statement saying that, uh, these are not for human consumption and I'm only using them as, as laboratory specimens. 
and the FDA inspectors at these warehouses uh, have to cut into uh, a set number of organs from each batch or each herd uh, to test for uh, parasites and disease. So um, with a little coordination with slaughterhouse managers, I managed to get at least two or three uh, from each batch intact hearts that haven't been cut into. Uh, and the rest, I say, look, you know, it, um, with these, could you get your FDA inspectors to just cut into uh, the right ventricle and don't just give up a, a huge slash to the heart? And they do that for me, and it's great. You know, I, I got I get hearts, I get kidneys, I get uh, lungs with the trachea uh, still attached, uh, trachea and lower jaw still attached. So uh, it's uh, it's pretty nice, man. They, we get there and and show these kids uh, all about this this cardiac and pulmonary uh, anatomy and and how the kidneys function and so on and so forth. So, um, I mean, that's really, I mean, it's unique. And I think that, you know, kudos to you for going the extra mile, but, you know, that's who makes Kelly Grayson, Kelly Grayson, right? I mean, oh, yeah, right. But, I'm serious, but I'm serious. Yeah, Kelly, I mean, yeah. You know, you're, I'm not trying to be funny, but I think that um, there are people that are just, you know, happy just to use slides, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but going the extra mile really is important. But so when you go through this, uh, you, you actually allow them to dissect the organs? Yeah. Yeah. I, I get a pig organ myself and, and I'll, I'll frequently order uh, exemplar uh, organs, uh, preserved organs from Carolina uh, biological supply. And, and they have, uh, they have preserved organs that they preserve in their own proprietary fluid that doesn't stink to high heaven, like formaldehyde. And, um, <clears throat> and, and I'll get a kidney that's been dye injected. Uh, so you can identify the renal uh, arteries and veins and, and the collecting system. So it's, you've got red, yellow, and, and uh, green, I mean, excuse me, red, blue, and yellow latex dye injected in it so to identify the various structures. And um, what I'll do is I'll assign, I'll, I'll break the class into teams and, and give them each a crawfish tray, uh, <laughs> just a, a big platter, uh, so juices don't spatter everywhere. We lay out a bunch of Chuck's pads and put them all in gowns and gloves and eye protection. And I'll get up on the front uh, at my desk with a document camera and, and they can see a dissection from the document camera and they follow along. And when we open up the heart, you know, of course we, we examine the external anatomy and we'll identify the chambers and I'll make the point to them that, you know, see how small and flaccid and, and really um, insignificant looking the atria are compared to the ventricles and uh, this is why people can live with atrial fib because they don't contribute that much to stroke volume and cardiac output. Um, and uh, this is where the coronary arteries lie. This is feel how, how thick and muscular the left ventricle is. Can you tell me why that is? And so on and so forth. And then when we cut into the heart, I'll pour a, I'll, I'll point out the trabeculae carnae and the chordae tendinae and, and the, the uh, flaps to the, uh, bicuspid and tricuspid valves and how those work and uh point out the trabeculae and say you see these little pockets here in the in the ventricles you know when somebody's in atrial fib and and uh their heart is not beating um in a coordinated fashion or their atria not beating in a coordinated fashion sometimes blood collects in these and clots and when a clot breaks loose you know you can have a stroke or you can have an, an mi or you can have a pulmonary embolus and this is why people on atrial fib take blood thinners and so on and so forth and the piece de resistance is uh i will get one of my hearts one of the undamaged hearts uh, or un, uncut hearts uh and find the uh 
coronary ostia at the base of the aorta and crack open a glow stick and draw up a syringe of glow stick fluid, turn out the lights and inject glow stick fluid in the, uh, in the coronary ostia and you can watch the coronary arteries light up. And, uh, yeah, that's cool. love that. Yeah. And we will take the lungs and, uh, uh, the, the cool thing with the lungs is we'll take them and, and, uh, I'll hook up an endotracheal tube. Uh, I'll get an 8.0 endotracheal tube and a BVM and peep. And we show these invariably you get, uh, <clears throat> a lung that's been nicked in the skinning process. So you can show, look how this lung inflates and the other one, uh, doesn't inflate so well because it's got a pneumothorax, uh, and, and here are the rings of the trachea and the esophagus lying behind it. And here's the, the vocal cords and the arytenoid cartilages and so on and so forth. And then I'll, I'll ventilate this set of lungs with and without peep, and they can actually see and touch, uh, the results of, of alveolar recruitment and retention. And say, you know, this is why we use a peep valve when we bag somebody. This is why we use CPAP, because this is what it does. If you just let somebody breathe without that, all these collapsed alveoli kind of stay collapsed. But if you add peep to the mix, you bring them back into play. And now that they're, they're back to their job of, uh, of uh, exchanging respiratory gases. And they can actually see that and see those atelectic areas pop back open uh, and, and, uh, and start exchanging gases again. It's pretty cool. You made me a little nervous there when you said small flaccid and insignificant, but I'm glad you were talking. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I'm triggered. I'm sorry, man. I know you made, you gave me some skills <laughs> there, but, uh, you know, so Kelly, when you think about this from the, from the adult learner, or I guess in this class, you know, high school kids, it's still, you know, adult learning. Um, mm -hmm. you, you know, how does this help the kinesthetic learner? I mean, is, is, are they the ones who are benefiting most from this practice or, uh, is it kind of the best all round or, I mean, cause it sounds like, you know, as a, as a skill, um, you know, being able to dissect and go through this process, it really kind of benefits them the most. Yeah, it, it, and it does, you know, and of course, uh, you know, our current understanding of, of, uh, of learning styles is, is that there is no one single learning style. There, there is no true kinesthetic learner or auditory learner or visual learner. Uh, and, and effective learners make use of all three of those, those domains, they auditory, visual, and kinesthetic. Um, but to neglect one part of it in a very important part of the class, understanding how the human body works is just, I think it's, it's kind of uh, silly, neglectful. Um, it, it's easy enough to do one of these labs. And, and, and I came about them simply because I, uh, uh, anatomical models and, and, uh, you know, breakaway, uh, segmented hearts and all that kind of stuff that you can take apart are hideously expensive and they still don't feel like a heart. It's injection molded plastic. It, it looks like a heart, but it's nothing like putting your hands on, on the, the organs, you know, and, and I'll say, look, this is about as close to human as it gets. As a matter of fact, they cut these valves out of pigs and put them in humans, uh, when they need valve replacement surgery. Uh, you know, they, they do artificial valves, but they've also had many, many people have had their valves replaced with pig valves. That's how close this is to the real thing. And, and even the, uh, even the people that learn fine and do well in class with, with auditory and visual learning, uh, really, really shine with, um, 
with uh, the kinesthetic and the tactile learning, putting their hands on these organs and actually doing this thing. It just it allows everybody, no matter their preferred learning style, to kind of put all the pieces together. And and that's why I do the Pluck Lab. They uh, I'm. I have yet to to have a, uh, a set of students that um, uh, that didn't get a lot out of the pluck lab. And they'll go tell the next uh, the next class of students, you know, hey man, wait till you get to cut open those organs. That is way cool. They've been looking forward to this for for two weeks. So oh, I got to tell you, man, kudos to you. And you know, not really where we wanted to go with the show, but I think it was really important to show <laughs> how instructors are making their classes dynamic and energetic and inspiring mm -hmm. and motivated. But for everybody out there, if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Contact the Inside EMS team at the show at ems1.com to share ideas, suggestions, and feedback. Or if you just want to join us as a guest. And we are getting people, Kelly, who want to join us as a guest. And we're trying to get them scheduled. So if you've More the merrier. Yep. If you've sent your request in, just kind of sit tight. We will get to you. But Kelly, awesome show. Kudos to you and Nancy. And uh, take some pictures, man. Post them on uh, social media. Let us see what the kids are doing today. Oh, yeah. They're going to have a blast. We're going to take lots of pictures. And, uh, and you know, they're, uh, um, we're, I'm going to leave straight from here and, and go pick up uh, some scalpels because I'm out. And uh, we're going to get to cutting up some organs. We'll, we'll let you sh show how it goes. We're going to put in the show notes also uh, a previous uh, EMS1 column on Pluck Labs called Moist Organs and Kinesthetic Learners. Uh, but You've heard what we think. We think that Pluck Labs and kinesthetic learning and the more tactile learning experience you can incorporate into any EMT class, the better. Uh, but we'd like to hear what you think. Do you do similar things? What, uh, what innovation do you bring uh, to your EMT class to encompass all learning styles? We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Savalero, who is anything but small, flaccid, and insignificant, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week.